I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Molly. We So we are planning today on talking about the Oscars, which just happened on Sunday, mm-hmm. and about which no one can stop talking. Um, <laughs> but you recently wrote an article. Oh, yes. I, I want to just give you a chance to talk. I think I feel like we should talk about it for a second. Thanks, Molly. Um, yeah, this wasn't planned, but I have been gathering my thoughts a lot. So. I figured that you would have thoughts, and if not, we can edit them out. Yeah, that's but, true. The, and I, so you told me about this article while you were writing it. This is like three weeks or a month ago. Yeah. And I remember you kind of talking about how there was some incongruity with like what you were aiming to do with it and then kind of what maybe the publication wanted to do because you seem to have a different perspective. Yes. Than they did. I know. And I do, I get the sense and I've had a lot of conversations with Brad Kane, who's the editor of Worcester Business Journal since the article went to print about how I think he often has this like anti-Worcester spin or this idea that there is some sort of city hall Illuminati who's like doing all of these very what like backroom like yeah, deals, deals. Like dark and they have this level of control and the truth is like I wish they had that level of control but it's just like they're barely keeping the lights on sometimes at any rate, he asked me to find groups, semi-secret groups, was how he pitched the story to me. And I said, well, why don't we look for a range of different groups that meet looking to advance Worcester that are not meeting in an official capacity? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a compromise we struck. But I guess the point is, I ended up highlighting three groups. One was like an old guard, secret society type that meets at the Worcester <laughs> Club. and Bones. Invite only. And the next one was Worcester Together, an excellent grassroots organization that has raised $11 million for Worcester. They're super inclusive and they've just gone above and beyond to be available and reach out to all different demographics across the city. And then the third one was a group of like who I thought of as infiltrators. And it's a group of entertainers that every Tuesday night suffer through all of the municipal meetings and do commentary on it. And they've brought in kind of a new audience of civically engaged citizens, I think, yeah. who weren't otherwise involved or keeping up with what's going on in local politics. And I thought that was an interesting way to say, like, here are three groups that meet regularly. If you want to be involved in Worcester and the advancement of Worcester, they're here for you. From there, Brad did reach out and say, I want you to do a rewrite. I want you to include the Economic Development Council, which is an official group. Right. It's an official group which does not fall under open meeting laws, which is interesting. Right. Because it is a group... Is it appointed or like gathered officially by an elect or not elect official? Sorry, because it's it's the manager, right? Or yeah. by an employee, and so there's some kind of loophole, which is interesting there, and that seemed to kind of stick in people's yeah. Mind. And I think maybe that's what Brad is going for by having me include it, but it didn't fit my thesis that like here we have an older white gentleman who has historically not included diverse populations saying. 
I want to recognize the old whiteness of this organization I started in the 80s. I want to change. There's a seat at the table. Sure. And that got the reaction, like, it's not enough to hang out a all-our-welcome sign. Right. It's true. And that's very true. But I had individuals like Council Rivera who called me and told me she leveraged the article to get an invite to this group. So, like, that was a success. And then I thought it was cool to shine a light on Worcester Together and also on this, like, group of weirdo comedians. And I think one of the things, too, about, like, this group of weirdo comedians, right, is, like, not only to the point where you're – where that you made just now about, like, bringing – new people into just become more civically engaged by virtue of like seeking entertainment. Mm -hmm. But also like they have like the guests that they have brought on, like I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, Joanna Hampton dance who ran for district two city council was one of their guests and also did commentary throughout. So you do get, I mean, you know, the true sense of, or not the true sense, but like you do get a true sense of a more serious side of it. Like a more, not that, not that it's not all in a way serious because it is just like how a city runs, but it also is Veep, right? It's also yeah. the thick of it, like those like those types of the inside, like how the meat gets made. It's actually like terribly boring and seems silly a lot of the time. And that's what I realized. There is no um, McGovern's, what do they call them? The McGovern oh, machine. the boys, yeah. Or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I wish that there was that There's level a, of precision, but it doesn't exist. There's and... a skeleton of these things. Like, yeah. the bones of them exist, and oh you can my track God. it. But, it's, but some of it is, it's like, I always picture where or people, or not me, but, like, people always make the joke, like, that someone's playing 3D chess versus, mm-hmm. like, you're playing checkers, and it's like, these guys are not playing 3D chess. <laughs> they're not exactly. they're still playing checkers so people took exception to the fact that i used to just show up lean in cheryl sandberg kind of energy which is fair sure. that's fine um but i didn't like the outsized criticism from people who are on the same side as me i don't know someone came to me and said wow who needs enemies when you've got friends like yours and I was like ouch that does hurt but people yeah that I think are very like-minded to myself spoke out and said like this was so off base uh what a master class in self-awareness about nepotism you know a lot of not very nice personal stuff where I was like well first of all this article was edited in a way that created some challenges for me as the writer but second of all if I'm getting a little bit of pushback from the more conservative folks saying you went too hard on the inner circle and I'm getting pushback from the liberals saying you went too soft on the inner circle well then I probably as a reporter was kind of in the sweet spot right and if you think about it I think people sometimes forget that there is reporting and then there's editorial and like did the Worcester Business Journal take an editorial stance? Yes, in a way. And that doesn't like, that doesn't mean like the article still gets written, right? Right. But it also means like that there is some level of like final decision-making that goes to the publication. And then it also... And that was the final straw where I had, you know, and maybe my title would have caused more issues, but it was like kind of tongue-in-cheek and it said infiltrating Worcester's inner circle might or no inner circles multiple might be easier than you think and I was kind of thinking like yeah Worcester together is like come on in we want everyone and they have gone above and beyond in terms of best practices for inclusivity 
here you have Brian O'Donnell being like, sure, come on my comedy show. Let's <laughs> yep. make fun of the politicians together. And then you've got this older gentleman who's kind of flummoxed and saying, like, I, I'm not a part of the 2022 conversation, and I would like to be. I know I've made mistakes. I'm remorseful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would go over well. But the, the title it ran was Infiltrating Worcester's Inner Circle. And they put a headshot of every person referenced in the article on the cover with this big circle around them. And then the conversation becomes about like, well, why was that person in the inner circle and not me? I'm glad I wasn't even included in your inner circle. And it just became a pissing match. One of the people in the inner circle on the cover doesn't even live in Worcester. His first trip to Worcester was like two weeks ago. And I had referenced him as a, a statewide leader. Right. In respect to showing up, sure, but it just didn't make sense. The whole thing didn't make sense. It looked like a, a it looked like a cover of the New York Post, <laughs> right? Yes, and that has trashy. nothing to do with right. Yeah, it looked like the cover of the New York Post. Uh, there was that. I do think that that one tweet that Bill Shainer did was oh funny. Oh my though, god, I'm tired. Because laughing. so if you hadn't, so if you guys haven't heard, um, the city manager at Augustus is moving on from that position, but it came. That news came out, it was like the same day that same this article day. came out. Yeah. And so Bill Shainer, who writes a substack about the city and who, <laughs> who offers commentary, had a tweet that was like, Ed Augustus is stepping back as city manager because because he was he was like written about in the same way that I was in Sarah, yeah, Sarah Connell's article. Yeah, because Sarah Connell said I was as important as yes. him or something. And it was very funny. And that oh. was the that was the reaction I expected when I, I saw the the yeah. cover and I rolled my eyes like, oh, Brad, what did you do? Yeah. But did he do a great job driving engagement? Yeah. And that is, yeah, that's his job. <laughs> and so, I don't know, but the poor guy, like we have been going back and forth. I got very upset with him about certain things. And, yeah. you know, he's going to print an apology in Monday's issue. And I was like... Why don't you stand behind me here? Like, apologize and say we have something to learn about the white privilege of it all that I say you can just show up when obviously there are people who cannot. I totally get that. Right. All right. That was that was my bad. But don't lump Worcester together in with the first Wednesdays club at the Worcester club. You know what I mean? It just it didn't make sense to me. So I this is like definitely in my own self-interest, I'm not some sort of saint. I'm giving the $250 he paid me for that article to Worcester Together, and it's to clear my conscience. <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm but yeah, sorry, I also, I feel good that people read it. Yeah. Well, it was well, it was very well reported and well done. But <laughs> one other point I wanted to make, or like I thought of this before, it's kind of that I didn't know they were doing an apology, but I was just saying like a lot of times, you know, there are more, there's more than one person credited in a piece or something. Like they literally could have said reported by Sarah Connell Sanders, like with editorial input yes. or like with, like, it could have been like by Sarah Connell Sanders and WBJ, like editorial. It is like, and that's because that that's not an uncommon me thing. Inside the circle on the front, the last box said <laughs> reported by Sarah Connell Sanders and I was like what like why did you do that yeah Yeah. and so maybe that accounts for some of the nepotism too my husband really tries to stay out of the public eye but he was city manager at Augustus's Rayham man for a long time and so 
maybe the perception is like, oh, I get these opportunities because of that connection or I, I don't know. And I don't really an, understand. I mean, and that's annoying to have that perception because you have done all that stuff on your own. But I felt a little played like, oh, here we have the city manager's number one guy, yeah. his wife on the cover, along with like a damning title as if she's going to write a tell-all. Sure. So that was the other feedback I got that like, the cover gave false expectations where we thought this was going to be some takedown about the city underbelly of city hall. And right. then we read it and it was like, civic engagement's important. <laughs> you should join Worcester together. So I don't know. I, I mean, the experience was good. I wish I wasn't pregnant for it. I wouldn't take it back, but I just, yeah, I kept being like, Oh, this anxiety can't be good for Bebe. For Bebe. <laughs> no, that is very true. Um, so that, uh, that gentleman from the first Wednesdays club, right? He yeah, was like Mike Angelini. So he's the founding partner of Bowditch and Dewey. Oh yes. Okay. So he is, he kind of is feeling like, okay, I want to open this up Oh yeah. and I don't know how to do it beyond this. That reminds me a lot of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences who Great for many years, who for many years and now currently, I don't want to know why I'm acting like it's in the past, had a lot of problems, um, even just nominating people of diverse backgrounds, not, and not just like black performance directors, artists, but like of like any, any person who's not white, essentially, whether you're a filmmaker, whether you, you know, above the line or below the line. And they had to find a way to solve that problem because eventually people noticed for a long time, mm -hmm. but eventually people were like, are you ever going to change it? Right. They have made an effort to solve that problem by aggressively um, inviting new members in like mm -hmm. young new members of diverse backgrounds. And I, I do think, think we've talked about this on episodes yes. before too, like just the, the numbers breaking them down. Yes. They're embarrassing. Absolutely. Um, and I do think I will say though, the past few years mm -hmm. winners are showing at least to me some movement forward, which is interesting. So for example, the best picture winner this year was a film primarily about disabled people, oh, like deaf people. It was my favorite. It's movie beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. So it's called Coda, mm -hmm. which is child of deaf adults. And we talked about it a few weeks ago, so maybe we won't go too much into yeah, it. But that we itself it. is a big yeah, that itself is a big deal right and it wasn't a real highbrow movie that would ordinarily win an oscar or at least that's what a lot of like these hoity-toity film critics are saying it's not an art house film and it's different but it's not you know it's not God. the power of the dog exactly and that's what makes it so wonderful because it it really is like speaking to the moment i think and Troy Kotzer, who we spoke about won the oscar for best supporting actor yeah. And we were both texting each other during it, but his speech, it was just filled with love and humor and, oh my God, talk about who handed him the Oscar. Yun Yun Jung, who was the Best Supporting Actress winner last year, who we didn't really get to see because last year's Oscars were very different, but she won for Minari. So it was nice mm -hmm. that she also got a moment to be there. She's been acting for over 40 years, so she's been around forever. First of all, she was so cute, just like, she was just so excited yeah. about all of it. When she opened up their card and saw it was his name, she signed. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's happening. It was, yeah, that was great. He came up. Everyone, the audience did sign clapping, mm -hmm. um, which was super cool. He came up to accept. And you could tell he was like, 
unsure of what to do because he needed to sign. And she came up, she scurried over and oh. like, and like, she was very small. She's very petite. She like looked up at him and was like, I will hold it for you. It you could see so it. Sweet. And then she held it like a, her own baby. Yes. It was so sweet, but his speech was very beautiful um, and very reverent of the art of acting and the art of film, mm-hmm. which I thought was which I, that's why I watch the Oscars, right? Yeah. It's like literally for stuff like and that. And we've talked about this. They've kind of dumbed down the Oscars in <sighs> ways to try and make it I, appeal to a wider audience. I have so many notes about this. And I think he, his expectations for the viewers was high. Yeah, which it should be. Yeah. And I mean, she just looked at him with such adoration. Anyone else, I don't think the moment would have felt the same. You would have been like, hey, get out of the way. But it was like perfect. Oh, she, right. She was not inserting herself. No. It was really like, she just was like, I am, I think she stayed right next to him too. Because when people win an Oscar and they're holding it, yeah, that's part the of the speech is that it's the, there. And yeah. I think that was why she did it was she was like, this is his Oscar. It was a beautiful um, It was. It was really, it was really wonderful. But did you have thoughts on dumbing down the show? Oh my, oh my, <laughs> do I, Sarah? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So yeah. And this has been an ongoing problem that the Oscars, I mean, that people who tend to be regular watchers of the Oscars, it's only gotten worse over the last... 10 years, I would say, because the thing is about the Oscars is like, yes, it is an enormous cultural moment for film, but the people who are watching the Oscars every year, at least in 2022, because the landscape of just watching television has changed period. The people who are generally watching the Oscars are people who want to watch the Oscars, or at least have like a, some vested interest in film, right? And sometimes it's just to be part of the cultural moment. But it's, it's true. I it's had not to, like, the Super Bowl. Download the ABC app. You know what I mean? It wasn't yes. easy, right? And this isn't to be like snobby because mm-hmm. it's not. It's not like oh, only people who care about movies should watch the Oscars. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But I think that it's more a criticism of the producers of the Oscars who try to you know, recreate the wheel every year. Mm -hmm. They try every year. They're like, we're going to get those people who watch this, this, and this big event. This year is going to be our year. And it's like, or you just make a good show for your audience, for your audience. And maybe it's not, and because, because clearly it's not working. The audience is not growing, right? They're not at a growth point right now. Um, They've been plateauing or falling for years. I'm glad you mentioned the Super Bowl because, you know, the announcers at the Super Bowl, the commentators don't dumb it down if you don't like football. Right. You just don't pay attention during the parts. Yeah. And so that's kind of what they're missing. Right. It can still be a cultural moment for some people, but appeal to the audience that's that's there for the Oscars who watched every movie or whatever. And And I think... That also speaks to the Academy itself. I mean, I think they are frustrated that people are watching and then they say, well, we have to make a whole big moment in tribute to Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Because, oh, we didn't nominate. Okay, that's your fault. Like, if you think that it deserves to be awarded, people should vote You vote for it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that they're thinking back, they're like, Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture, right, in 1977, Maybe in 1977, it was okay to think a blockbuster was, like, also a good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 70s, I, this is getting into, like, a context of entirely different. We don't need to get into, like, 70s cinema, but it was booming. Like, the 70s are, like, a golden age of cinema. Mm-hmm. But 
I think that they think, well, we nominated Star Wars in 1977. All these people wanted to watch. Well, we better do this now. Because the same thing happened, like, The Dark Knight in 2008. People were angry it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. And obviously that that has been changing. Like, there are bigger movies that are nominated, right? But if you spend the whole show trying to get people to watch by having like musicians on it and exclude or like having like weird dance performances or having or like excluding certain categories from presenting on tv you're losing the moment where for example dune won six oscars at least half of which were not on screen dune is the one film (laughs) of all these movies Dune made $400 million at the box office. Yeah. The next highest of the Best Picture nominees was West Side Story, which made $75 million. Wow. So That's you want people to watch. It is. It's yeah. enormous. And so you spend this whole time, and we'll talk about this because they do do this, and then obviously other things happen, but you spend the whole Oscars trying to make viral moments. Right. Which happened organically, for better or yes. worse. And but... which have happened organically before, not maybe to this degree. It's it, it almost feels like with all these like little montages too, like they did those like mm-hmm. top five get up and cheer moments. Oh, First of yeah. all. And that was all crowdsourced meant to bring in a younger audience. It was crowdsourced from Twitter. And guess who cares about voting for someone on Twitter? People who are obsessed with Zack Snyder's <laughs> DC universe. The number one. So up until the point where Will Smith became a meme. The main thing that I was seeing, I follow a lot of like people like film Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes. But the main thing that people were just joking about all night was the Flash enters Speed Force because that was the so-called number one get up and cheer moment from the Zack Snyder recut version of Justice League. I can't even, I just like, like I who just, has seen it? It's the nerdiest. And who cares? But also yeah. it, it was it's not good either. And so people on Twitter just kept being like, so-and-so enters speed force like just like cracking jokes but like it almost feels like they hate the movies that they're celebrating amy schumer made a joke about not being able to finish power of the dog and it's like so you think that you're gonna get people to watch the oscars by making fun of the movies that are nominated for oscars and you're it's like we're celebrating people who make up movies so i do want to talk about the host but you mentioned the number of musical performances and i I mean, I love Beyonce. I like to watch Billie Eilish. I, a lot of people didn't like the, we don't talk about Bruno. I did. Because I wanted to hear the real song. I know, I know. But like, (laughs) I thought it was fun. It was fun. I like Megan too. A little late in the show if you're from the East Coast and your kids wanted to see it. But anyway. Yes. I thought this is not a variety show for lack of a better word. It's a show about the movies. So why is half of it reminding me of the Grammys or right. or the VMAs or yeah right didn't calculate and I'm I'm I am very for the original songs being performed I mm-hmm. think that that's at least like an excerpt some they've done it in the past where they've had two minutes mm-hmm. of each song like just shortened versions and I think that's great I think it's good to celebrate the songs that are nominated but what they have done I was actually literally thinking about this in the car because it frustrates me is in past years, they have said, we're going to get rid of these performances or the worst thing that they have done is they have picked and chosen which ones they want. And it's like, why don't you just commit every year to saying like, we will invite because even like Van Morrison Mm -hmm. was invited. He, um, he did the music for Belfast 
he couldn't make it. So, right. But, like, make a commitment to just say, we're going to invite you to play three minutes of your song. Mm-hmm. And, and then just do Miranda, it. Like, I mean, I know yeah, Encanto got plenty of play, yeah. but, yeah, it will. And Tick, Tick, Boom, too. You know, he's, like, at the center of Hollywood's musical decisions right now. That's great. But, yeah, his wife had COVID. And I thought, well, what if he had been there? It would have been even more. Right. And so, yeah, it just starts to feel like not only do you, like, do you have contempt for the movies that you do care about, but then it's, like, also your audience. Like you said, like, it doesn't need to be, you don't have to make a joke about not finishing Power of the Dog. That's just the one that, right. that's just the example that I like to think So of. what did you think of the hosting? Because I honestly watched Amy Schumer and said, oh, I would watch her new show. I've been skipping over it on, I think it's Hulu every time I see it. And then I was like, oh, wow, I forgot how funny I think she is. I, so it's funny because so I, <laughs> I like Amy Schumer. I've never like gravitated towards her in a way where like they tried to make her a big, big star. Like I like her. I think she's fine. She's not like my favorite, right? Like I, and it's funny though, because I love Wanda Sykes. Um, I do. I love her. I love her voice. I love her whole vibe. And I do, Regina Hall is an actress I love. Yeah. I, I just like thought, Regina Hall Yeah. Regina Hall is, she's like a firecracker. Yeah. She's so fun to watch. My students, we just finished reading The Hate You Give. So I'm letting them watch some clips for the movie and she plays the mother. She's amazing. She really is too, because she was known for so long just for doing comedy. And then she started to do work outside of just that genre which is cool and she's very talented I thought they were fine honestly mm-hmm. which that's another thing though every year it's such a huge like who's gonna host the Oscars and it's like just have someone who knows how to host a show yeah it's all last year last year had no host and it was <laughs> great I thought <laughs> and last year was a different vibe because of the COVID restrictions yeah. but I would agree I think the one joke that I was laughing out loud, but then I was like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, was Regina Hall was objectifying men. She was pretending she was single and needed to do some sort of COVID protocol and pat down everyone. She's like, I'm going to need to see uh, Bradley Cooper, Timothy Chalamet. It was, it made me laugh, but then she kept patting down and I was like, okay, but what if this had been a male comedian? It's too much. Those were women. Then it wouldn't be okay. You know, and I started to think, I don't know. (laughs) And it's like, it could be a both things are true situation, right? Where it's like, this is funny, but then it's article. Two things can be true. Two things can be true. And so that, for me, brings us to a lot of the discussion around what is happening with, where what happened, what transpired, we might say, between Will Smith and Chris Rock. Can I just go chronologically for a second? Yes. You mentioned that the Oscars have had this terrible problem with being more inclusive. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about the boycott of the Oscars? And I think it was 2018 by Jada. So no, it was, it was way longer than that, which is even more surprising. I think it was like the aughts, like the, like, oh, wow. I think it was like 2004, which would make sense because I believe that that's the year Chris Rock was the host. Okay. That does so make So this goes sense. back. So he made, he cracked a joke about Jada boycotting at the show that he was on, which like whatever, Right. Chris Rock got got himself into trouble that year too, though. Not even real trouble. Actually, it was more of a, it was so ridiculous. He cracked a joke. He made a joke about Jude Law, which like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Sean Penn, of course, gets on stage and is just like, 
Jude Law is one of our finest actors. And, and now I'm like, does Sean Penn have any thoughts on this Will Smith situation? But that's Chris Rock. He is off the cuff. Sure. And that's his He can brand. be kind of crude. I want to acknowledge that that happened. He made yes. some joke that, like, he, she wasn't even invited anyway. You can't boycott something you're not invited to. Sure, right? Yes, that's exactly what happened. I'm obviously just like, this is all secondhand. You know, like, I read... Twitter nonstop, especially like during the show. Yeah, and I'm like, I who's saw, in the room? Who's in the room? Right. I need to know what's going on. And like, on. I saw, I saw a lot of tweets from the black community or black women, I guess in particular, who were like, "It's about time, someone punched Chris Rock in the face." Oh, and I was like, "This is interesting." And I'm obviously, as I said, a an observer of all of this, and I thought that that was fascinating on its own. But one thing that is very interesting, and we're going to get to, because um, Sarah, you had a great thought about. What he what could have done. Is, yeah, but one thing about Chris Rock, too, is that he was he made a film called Good Hair, and it is specifically mm-hmm. a movie about the, like, sacredness and the importance of Black women's hairstyle and presentation and how it, deeply it runs in the Black community. And so for him to make a joke like that, people were just like, bro, like, you made a whole movie about how this is like a really serious, like deep seated community issue. Right. And then you make that joke. And if you've listened this far, I'm sure you know the joke, <laughs> but he alluded to the fact that Jada would appear in GI Jane too, because her head was shaved. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that she has alopecia. I didn't either. So, and that is an autoimmune disease yep. where you lose your hair. And I guess she's written a lot lately about like how to own this new look yep. and what will make her feel comfortable and trying out different things and sharing that journey publicly, which I think is really cool. Apparently it also took her a very, very long time to come to terms with it, which I think makes more sense or at least her feeling about the joke makes more sense when you're like well right. she's struggled with this and then to kind of hear something like that I feel would probably be upsetting um the United States also considers all autoimmune disorders disabilities because they are because yes. if you have an autoimmune disorder like your immune system does not function correctly and it mm-hmm. causes symptoms like in this case hair right. loss but so you see Will Smith get up on stage and you're like oh is this a bit no um, one knew it re- was so crazy in retrospect Chris Rock had gone off script per usual and I should have known that because he was making a joke about Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz and he forgot Penelope Cruz's name so like it was clear yeah. he's not reading he's just risking he's, he was looking around he's doing crowd work yeah which is impressive at the Oscars gosh but it didn't go well clearly so Will Smith sees his wife is offended and gets up on stage and everyone's like, oh, is this part of the well, show? And I even think like his little bit of laughter is that kind of discomfort because people laugh yeah. when they don't know what to do, if they, especially if they know they're on camera. Right. And instead of laughing it off, he slaps Chris Rock. The audio, yeah, (laughs) the audio in America cuts out. Yes. So I'm like frantically looking at Twitter like, what just happened? And Twitter, and it turns out the rest of Twitter was also doing the same thing. Um, Luckily, Australia and Japan had the real audio. And then that's when we hear the rest, which I think we, at this point, know. He essentially was just like, keep my name, my wife's name out of your mouth. Right. Obviously, going back to that one joke. Who knows what their history is, I guess, too. Not that that's, like, makes it fine. Right. But clearly, like, it was a sore spot. 
I found myself thinking like how much more effective, and this was teacher Sarah, but like, had he stormed up on stage, he had that 30 seconds to think about what he was going to do. And maybe rather than hitting him like he had intended, what if he had taken the microphone and said, your ableist joke is not funny considering my wife is really paving the way for women with alopecia. Like, let's give her a round of applause. Then Chris Rock would have looked like such an asshat. You know what I mean? Right. And it would have been over. Yep. But he doesn't do that. Now... (laughs) Everyone's flustered. Chris Rock, like, starts stumbling. Poor Questlove wins the documentary, the best documentary award, and doesn't even get his due. Yeah. And it's like, he was, and you can tell, too, he, he like, right, he started to regroup at one point. He's like, I'm so happy. But, right, it was just a but very... the energy is the, weird. The energy yeah. was so insane. And then Denzel, during the commercial break, goes over and tries to talk some sense into Will Smith, which is very nice. Well, I think that people were, I think that there, I think that a lot of the audience was concerned about yeah. him because that's like a scary, it was scary to watch. And if he wasn't one of the most recognizable celebrities in the world, I think they probably would have escorted him out. Not I to mention, to imagine. he's wanted this Oscar for so long right, and now he's years. about to get it. What was it? 20 minutes before he makes this lifetime achievement goal and he almost destroys the moment. It was so I mean, he did close. destroy it. You know? He, well, because that's any, that's all, we're not going to talk about yeah. the movie or his performance or whatever. Right. It's, it is, a, it is, it's. It's just very, it was a complicated moment. It's sad. And, and I try, I'm trying to like, it is sad also. Um, he talks a lot in his audiobook about some of his own mental health issues and like the trauma and abandonment that like, if you watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you might know a little bit about that, like with his dad. He is not the Will Smith that we all thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about this Oscar moment. I'm talking about just like... Like he wouldn't swear in his hip-hop songs. Right. Like we looked at Will Smith and we saw like, you see Men in Black. And he talks a lot about how like for him it's really, it can be hard to reconcile the fact that like he, his brain goes to dark places and like mm-hmm. he gets really depressed, right? Not that that's excusing. <laughs> Like, you know, but... Right, and at the end of the day, we do not condone violence, and sure. that was the thing, but I was just trying to work through, like, how did we get here? Yes. How and did he end up in that moment? Yeah, and one thing and one thing, some Black writers that um, I follow the work of have kind of talked a little bit about, Mickey Kendall in particular, is just, like, it is the tendency of... I could You could say America, but, like, white America to, like, pathologize the actions of black people period all the time. Like we can cut, like we can look at that and say like, he shouldn't have done that violence is never the answer this, this, and this, but like people punch guys, punch guys about stuff. They say about their girlfriends all the time. Right. And that doesn't mean that it's like not a big deal. Like it was on TV, but it's also just like, we don't have to like, we don't have to try to make everything into like a morality play. We don't have to try to just be like, well, what, what is Will Smith doing? Like, what it, what has he, has he done for the film community? He embarrassed himself. He did this, this, and this. And it's also just like, just like we don't have to say, and we don't have to say anything. There's a lot of like intra-community conversation happening. I think within black communities about this because it is one of those things. Like a black guy punched another black guy on TV. The wrong people sometimes tend to jump on it and be like, "Oh my god!" Well, like, these get these like right. These, this is representative of yeah. something larger. This is, or this cultural is vi- problem. like right, and it 
So these were at the end of the day, like two elite millionaires. I will actually, that reminds me. I had, so I had a really funny thing. Um, Zach Fox is a comedian. I like, and as I said too, it's not to say that it, it's not a big deal. Right. Cause it was, and it, and it did speak to something that was like a little scary to watch and yeah. like, but there know. were many lenses through which you could view this. That's my point. And yes. for them, not that the Oscars is a regular day for them. It's still a special day, but like, the way it would be a big deal for me to be on national television is not the same uh, high stakes for Will Smith. He's sure. like, right. Pretty average. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so Zach Fox wrote up like, just like he did like an Instagram story post. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but one of his points or like this kind of the beginning part of it was like slapping. First of all, he just wrote, slap, slapping someone is objectively funny, which is like, he is a comedian. As I said, um, he said, if you're a comic and you get slapped, then you choose professionalism and appealing to authority over just being funny about it. Well then maybe that's a more alarming decision you made that part. I don't entirely agree with, but I think it's funny to say mm-hmm. that. Oh, he says, so he's, as I said, a comedian, he said, we're supposed to lose and make it funny, which I think is like a funny way to look at it. Another lens. But what he then says is so many people crying about the sanctity of free speech and comedy, but we saw it in peak form, a rich man slapped another rich man and they both went home richer. You can say whatever you want to say, but you can't control how people react to that. Oh, this comedians don't get to be in bulletproof get, glass cases. Everybody in the world can get smacked. A rich man slapped yeah. another rich guy on TV. They both went home richer. And it's I, kind of the. <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, I don't think we'll see Chris Rock for a while. And then I found out he's doing four shows in Boston this week. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I wonder. I bet you could do a whole hour on that. I don't know. Oh my god! No kidding, right? I wonder what he'll do. Yeah, I guess my point is just like, you don't have to think of it in just one way mm-hmm. you don't have to just look and be like oh that angry guy punched him and violence is never the answer i mean like that's not a bad way to look at it but also you can think about there's more than one thing can be right. true is basically and wrapping up the will smith stuff he gave a regrettable speech where he used some abuser language he said things like love makes you do crazy things yeah and um he said i'm just like the character i played richard williams protecting my very family passionate yes and you know i think he's since realized like that was a misstep and he apologized yesterday yeah, publicly he, and the statement that he put out obviously which was like you know who knows how many people re- looked at it to okay but it was i thought it i thought that the statement that he put out was good like mm-hmm. in it and it was like and in that particular statement he made a clear apology to both the academy and to and to chris rock he was mm-hmm. like i am sorry and hopefully also like they have privately hashed some of that out because you know you can do anything in public right and whatever but i bet they present an award together to next right. year this has nothing to do with me <laughs> honestly if you think about it right um but i just i hope uh, I hope that they both find peace. <laughs> Me too. I, really I guess, do. you know, Oops. well, to end our Oscars talk on a happy note, there's some great fashion. It was not boring. It was really fun. Shirtless Timothy. I oh, loved Timmy Chalamet. And Kristen Stewart. They both were like rocking similar looks that I was yes, very into. I know. So uh, she had these like hot pants on. It was Chanel. So it was like very high end, highbrow, but she had heels on for about five minutes and then switched to loafers. I'm like, that's my kind of girl. Yes. And if anyone, I don't 
I don't know if people are still surprised by this because she's been kind of making these acclaimed movies for years, but if anyone was surprised that she was like there and invited on purpose because she was nominated for an Oscar, she is the... She was the first American woman to win a César, which is the French Academy Award. And this was like five, five or six years ago wow. for a movie called um, Clouds of Sils Maria. So she has been, I think, after Twilight. Twilight. And then and then there was like, she did an SNL where it was like, she was still herself. And so people were like, what's her deal? She is an extraordinary actress if you are interested in her other work. Uh, she she makes really interesting choices. I would, I would liken her filmography to like the choices that Nicole Kidman makes, right? Like just... Mm-hmm cool stuff but yes she looked awesome zoe kravitz was giving me like audrey hepburn she always looks um, good yeah it i don't know this baby pink with like a bow and when billy eilish won the two of them skipped off stage it was, an so, arm. It was so cute i was like i love girlfriends yes. that's so sweet what about how billy eilish ran over to give who was over there it was someone else to give a hug to before, like anyone in her family, including her brother and her mother. <laughs> oh, I did. It was see. there was um, someone else at her table. Another musician was at her table, and she so just like, like, "It's real friendship." It was very it's cute. Not just yeah, for the clicks. I don't know. Is it? Does she say her like H E R her? Oh yeah. Because I loved her like lime green. Yes, I love that color. And Beyonce's the tennis number. It's it was tennis like, ball. Yeah, and I have right now a dress and shoes in that color, and I was like, "Oh man, this is amazing." Yeah. Sweet Jane's. She always knows. Yes. A <laughs> um, ton of reds. Reds everywhere. Red's always an Oscar thing, I too. think red, red is carpet. always an Oscar thing, but I was thinking specifically of that scene in um, The Devil Wears Prada where she talks about Cerulean. Because mm-hmm. one of my roommates asked me, she's like, how does this happen when, like, one color? Because it does. Like, sometimes yeah. everyone's wearing black. And I said, well, you know that part where, like, <laughs> the Meryl Streep character explains how, like, Vogue decides? That's Anna all of it. But- Making yeah. the call. Yeah. Um, because I liked Ariana DeBose's pants and it had yeah. the I loved that. I thought that was I don't jumps I guess it was a jumpsuit, but it had but like it a, had a skirt. It wasn't to a peplum, yeah. It was like a skirt. It might have even been like a jacket. It was very cool. At any rate, it reflected her sexuality as well, where she was talking about like having to be feminine for so long and now being a proud queer woman. Yes. Um speaking of Ariana DeBose, something that's very cool is that she so she won her award for playing Anita in West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Now that she became the third or part of the third duo to win an Oscar for the same like two different actors for the same role. So Rita Moreno won for Anita in the original West Side Story. And then Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro both played Vito Corleone in The Godfather mm-hmm. and Heath Ledger in Joaquin Phoenix. Oh wow. The Joker. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of like a cool, it's like one of those little pieces of trivia that like doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of like a cool little a club bit. To yeah, there. right? Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And it was really beautiful to watch Rita Moreno watching her accept the same award mm-hmm. in a different time. I thought that was beautiful. uh zendaya also i thought looked really chic and she just had like a very simple tailored top it was like a cropped like it was almost like a cropped button down yeah and the new york times was the one who drew my attention to sharon stone's 1998 ensemble the first thing i thought of when i saw her i was like she's giving sharon stone and i meant it as such a compliment so i looked it up yeah and it was a very similar look and you know she had modernized it but i thought that that was such was a that insider fashion piece of history oh where like she was clearly drawing on inspiration from the 90s was that the gap turtleneck yes it was like a plain white gap turtleneck yes sharon stone once wore, a the, wore gap to the oscars which mm-hmm. i love 
I wanted to, there was like one more thing that was on the happy note, but I don't remember. Oh, Jessica Chastain, who I just, who is a living angel, first of all. (laughs) Her speech was beautiful, but even besides the point, we talked a little bit about how they left six categories off of the air. And not Mm -hmm. only did she, um, she she went into the show at six o'clock. Yeah. to be in her seat for the entire pre-ceremony. A very classy. She made, yeah, she made, and she was like, it's very important to me to support not only, like, my team, who, like, were mm-hmm. being awarded at that time, the Eyes of Tammy Faye also won Best Makeup and Hairstyling, but also just, like, the craft of film. And I and I just think she is such a, such a bright light. Yes. <laughs> like, she really is, right? Oh, I love her. I want to be her friend. Me too. All right, well, I've been Sarah. I've been Molly. This is Poppet. Oh, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot with the art. No, that was but perfect. I was like, I meant-